Hello, I'm back. Almost went half, I don't know how long, maybe five months, six months. Gonna be a little bit rusty. We'll get through it. I just walked home from work. Um, it's about an hour long walk. I walk to work in the morning, walk home. Lucy, no barking or spazzes on this one, okay? <clears throat> but yeah, we're gonna do this. It's happening. Um, I have some notes. Hopefully it'll take about an hour or less. Um, so I, my name is Joey. I've been rollerblading for over 20 years now. I think the picture in the basement that I have up of me first trying skates is gotta be 25 years old. Hey, 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 no horseplay. Everybody relax. I don't know, it's gotta be 25 years old or more. So I've been on skates for probably 25 years. I gotta get a real date on that, but um, yeah. I've been skating, inline skating for at least 25 years, skating aggressively for 20 of those years. Mm. I skate in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. And uh, we have a really good skate park. And I I'm, uh, will openly admit that I'm a park rat because if you lived here, you would be a park rat too. It takes like uh, 20 minutes to drive to it from where I live, which isn't very far in uh, city terms. Um, but like I, I'll drive before work just to even get 15 or 20 minutes to skate there before work. It's just that good. Um, when Jacob was up actually, he was surprised at how uh, it looks smoother on camera. There's some parts that are actually really sketchy, which is good though, because it, it teaches you to, um, to kind of like balance on, I don't know how to explain that. You know when you're going down a street and you see there's a rough patch and you like, uh, you kind of change your body position to roll over crappier pavement. It's good to learn those skills even at a skate park. And I, I really like the idea of that thing getting crappier in like 10 or 20 years and still skating it. And, and uh, like, I don't know if the city will do maintenance to it, but to like learn the cracks and the rough pavement spots and it, it becomes, it becomes closer to like street skating if it's a really old skate park. Anyways, that was my first side tangent. So we're getting into it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, there's like footage of me skating up a P rail in front of a house that's, and all the taco time footage is like 1995 and 1996. So skating aggressively and grinding and doing tricks and being obsessed with that side for 20 years, which is pretty crazy that we're all getting into our thirties now. And uh, I'm surprised at how good the body feels. Like uh, I posted that skate pile section of the old, there was the old man comp, and I think the entrance was, for old man, was 25 and up. And I'm 33, turning 34 soon, and I feel really good. Apart from the whole risk-taking thing that I'd, I've never really been a fan of anyway. I'm sorry that I'm not a hammer skater. But in terms of just, like, um, style and power and speed and everything... 
I feel really good. Like uh, 35 was originally the kind of like the cutoff point in my mind for the idea was to make mushroom blading one to 10 from when I was like 25 or 26 until I was 35. And I've already achieved that goal. So at this point it's like not a victory lap, but um, making as many videos as I can before I turn 35. And not that I'm going to stop making videos at 35, but I want to change the pace in terms of like, maybe work on a project for two years or something like that. Cause, um, I was off social media. <laughs> I was off social media. Such a funny, it feels dumb when you say social media. I was off social media for, from like, uh, the new year into like February. I think I made it into March actually. So it was nice. It was a break from podcasting and it was a break from, uh, social media, like, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's funny, like you become like a, like a drug addict though. You still find ways to try and check it. And I, and it's weird. Like even for work, I need to upload videos to Facebook, um, for work. So I still needed a separate account. So I started like a, like a work account that, that no one would have been able to find. But through that, you still are able to check other things and other accounts and you can still like look at Instagram on a regular browser. So I was, <clears throat> it was more in terms of like posting stuff, but it was so funny. I would, <laughs> I would still, I would end up cause I, I still like that about the internet. Like I obsessively post things and it's fun. I like to be able to do that. Um, just like even walking to work or I, I like that you can stay connected to skating, you know, all the time, but that's where it became like, okay, I'll take a break and see what happens. But I would send like, uh, Leon and Todd and Colin and, and Stuart, I would just send them shit that I would have been posting anyway. So a lot of the times I think Todd just ended up posting things that I sent to him through a text message. So it was like the, the, uh, it was almost like a loophole, but, uh, to go back to like the two year project video thing. I, I, one thing I noticed anytime I've like gone off, Hey, Hey, hey stop clip clopping. Anytime I've taken breaks from, uh, like Facebook and Instagram's the worst. That's like the most addictive one by far. Anytime I've taken breaks from those, I, um, I'm reminded of how important it is to, uh, experience things more slowly and uh obviously you're it's not up to how you're not in control of how people will experience videos or edits or if you make an album or a movie or any of that stuff you, you know people will be distracted and be half invested in it or watch it once and not watch it again but um you have the power to still kind of like slow down how you experience something and really take it in i think uh VODs have helped that a little bit. Like when you buy something, you might, you might sit and be like, okay, I paid money for this. I'm going to dim the lights and really try and, and, and enjoy this. So I like the idea of, uh, going back to that a little bit more. Um, I found myself like listening to whole albums more instead of like skipping songs while checking Instagram and Facebook. Um, and Oh, when I, when I came back to it, I realized like 
the explore function on Instagram, holy shit. You can go so deep with that thing. Like it, like it's, it's, it's infinite. <laughs> it's an, it's an infinite window into the world based on things that you've looked at and liked. So it's crazy. A lot of the times things that I repost, it's not accounts that I follow. It's just stuff that I find on, uh, the discover the little magnifying glass it's so dangerous it's just like it just goes on forever and to know that that's always in your pocket like when you're waiting in a lineup at I work at a university and I notice now more than ever like when people are walking it's a pretty big campus so when people are walking from point A to point B if they're not with anybody like people just walk and look at their phone it's cra- it's becoming very normal to just like uh stimulate ourselves i don't think it's bad or good i think uh also from a a short hiatus i realized that it's a tool that especially if you're into something like skating it's it's really fun to be able to connect and have conversations with people if you have a weird idea or whatever like um actually i think it was the idea for the arlo conspiracy theory guy video i can't I think that was like when I that was the the straw that broke the camel's back that got me stoked to to go back uh on to like it was the first idea where I was like oh yeah you can just think of weird stuff and do it right away and and put it up I like I really like that about the internet and skating or like leafing through an old daily bread oh fuck that picture's so sick and it's not like I'm going to be able to to tell my wife or anybody that I work with, look at this picture from Daily Bread. You could just take a picture of it and upload it. And there's a lot of people that haven't seen it or forgot about it. That box cover. Hey, 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 <clears throat> relax. There might be some dog noises. Um, the box cover of the Dustin Latimer 540 is a really good example of... Um, I was so I've been so close to either getting rid of my magazines or or throwing them out, but every once in a while something will pop up like, oh yeah, I haven't looked at the most legendary 540 photo of all time on the box on the box cover. Sorry, throw a bubble. So I, you know I should find that and look at it. And you know, this is one of my topics that um that I've realized a lot about uh, skating recently is that I'm, I look through these old magazines, like that cover is amazing. Um, or there's certain skate photos that are so memorable and you can just stare at them. That, that I think there's lots of pieces from the past that we've been doing a good job highlighting or, or borrowing from or celebrating. But you look at some of these old magazines and skating at our old videos, and we've come, like, skating is really good where it is right now. And the past wasn't as amazing as you thought it was. Like, that Box magazine was, it, at its at its worst, Box was, like, 40 or 50% fucking ads for, like, Powerade and Toyota and the Army and Levi's and uh, Corn Nuts and all that shit. Like, and not all the pictures were good and not all the styles and rollerblading were good. And you watch videos and people took so many uh, unnecessary strides in lines and, and um, it, like, or, or ASA runs where people were like fumbling around the course and climbing up the ramp and, and stuff like that. And you, 
obviously there's there still would be some of that now because we're we're not all great on our skates but i mean we're taking the best pieces from the past and kind of like we've we've cut out a lot of the bad stuff or uh, we forgot about it and um there is still amazing shit from the past but i just you have to remember skating <laughs> did a lot of skating looked really bad and there's a lot of stuff in in old magazines that's uh you might think that skating was really good back then but skating is amazing now there's it's like the most diverse time for um not that there was a peak where skate technology was really good in like the late 90s and early 2000s and, and there is a reason why there's like an aftermarket for certain skates and why solomons are still really popular but um in terms of like diversity and experimentation and and different styles and wheel sizes and frame lengths and um lots of amazing videos being made it's like the best time in skating i watched uh so i watched state of the art that say to the best i don't know the uh the uh spain tour video that it's like, if you're gonna name, it's really hard to remember that name, so I don't know how to say it, or they should have named it something a little bit simpler, because it's really hard to like, hey, have you seen Say de Bistos, or I don't know how to say it. So I watched that one, State of the Art, all like the Haitian videos, uh, the Dirt Box, Quids In, um, Many Revolutions, uh, I watch, like, I get pretty much everything. What was the most recent one? Oh, Citizens, with that Neil Chen section. All of them were really good, like, uh, in terms of, like, all of them had at least a section or two that I really connected with and was stoked on, and, and I, it's, like, it's where I wanted rollerblading to be, you know, when I, 10 years ago when I was thinking about how I wanted rollerblading to be in the future is there's so much stuff being made that's exactly what I would have wanted it to be it's like there's so many different styles and and like the idea of like uh, creative skating is getting taken in so many different directions and there's so many different styles and um and uh like obviously from a industry perspective it might not be doing the best but in terms of like the energy behind it and uh just the sheer amount of good shit being made and uh like older skaters that have been skating a long time that are really developed in their style and distinct it's a good time and uh yeah it it's it's just really good no segue there um I have a, a note here about, uh, I got these um, long frame samples. I have a set right here, I'll click them together. The, they were a long frame sample of the K2 frame made for people with big feet. Um, uh, Miguel Ramos, I think, was like a big footed skater that needed a, uh, a longer frame. And uh, so I got a set of these samples, and uh, they're they're like as long as the 
100 millimeter wizard frames or maybe just a little bit shorter. They're like 300 millimeter. And uh, the 100 millimeter wizard frames totally helped my technique and my stance in skating and my striding and everything. It was so it was so weird to be skating on basically something that was as long as a race frame but with a rocker on it and uh, a little bit sturdier than a race frame for abuse. And then I would, I, yeah, it just, it really helped the way I looked at skating and the way that I used my skates. And style-wise, it's really nice to have a little bit more um, in the front and back, like in front of your toe and behind your heel, like extra wheel sticking out. And uh, it really made, when I went back to a shorter aggressive frame, I kept, I would, uh, they just felt extra sketchy. I'm about a size, I try and do a size nine in skates a lot of the time, but uh, I'm actually like a size 10 and a half shoe, but I would always use short frames because I hadn't discovered rockering yet. Once again, Frank Stoner was right. I can be quoted on that. Talk can be quoted on that now. Hey, chill out. But I would go back to aggressive frames from the longer wizards. And then I think even uh, later when I started using the 110 wizards, those are closer to 336 millimeter, I think. So I started just getting used to really long frames. And then using longer frames, I would look back at my old skating, realizing that it could have been on just longer rocker frames. I would have lost nothing and gained everything. And certain falls that I took and certain habits that I had in skating were directly, you can see it in video footage. There's like, there's falls in skating history in my own personal skating history where it's like, Jesus, if they just had different equipment, like they could have had longer frames or like a stiffer base on their skate. I just had to change spaces. Let your ears adjust. So you look at the history of the sport and certain falls and some of my own personal falls. And there's a lot of habits that I would do that long frames would have helped. And I always use short frames. I'm probably repeating myself. I always use short frames because I thought they were more maneuverable. But then when I tried these longer aggressive frames, I became obsessed with them to the point where I, I ended up ordering um, large volos. I have uh, large Kaiser elements. I have the large size uh, adapts. They're all actually quite short compared to these um, K2 samples. And um, it was crazy. When I started using them, I realized that, like I said, I gained everything and I lost nothing. And uh, and it was the biggest thing that happened when I started using these. They were kind of like sitting in my garage over the winter because I usually just use uh, big wheels in the winter because it's fun to do kind of like flat ground stuff. There's not a lot of good grind spots. And when it's fucking freezing cold, it's really not fun to do grinds um, unless you're super warmed up. Um, like missing a grind on coping in freezing cold weather and s slapping your hand against pavement um, when it's like 
minus 10 and it's the morning and you're not warmed up, it's not really fun. So I like to use big wheels over the winter just to keep connected to the feel of skating. But I think part of the reason I got cynical towards aggressive, um, especially in like the past couple of years, not cynical towards it, but it was like, it felt silly when I did it. I still did it, but like, I something about the shorter frames, I think there's just something there for me that like, Todd and I would take the box out and the first couple of grinds, we would always kind of laugh like at how weird it felt to be like on these little plastic toys with like this short base. Like it, it doesn't, and Pat Lennon talked about it in the podcast he did with Kranz. It's like, it just feels, uh, it just feels kind of funny and can look kind of funny. Obviously it can look amazing when executed well, but again, like, the really good people are, they're super short and they're, the UFS is like perfect for their feet. They, they have like probably size eight, size seven, maybe size nine, but like UFS, the frame length and everything is like, when I, when I, it's perfect for them. When I saw like Shima and Aragon, Bailey, when I saw a lot of these guys in person, I realized how fucking tall I was. And I've always tried to squeeze into smaller skates, but like UFS is perfect for like this, the shorter wiry body type with like a smaller foot. And then I, and then it's like this whole thing with long frames now where I was like, I've missed out on enjoying, uh, I, I did enjoy skating up to this point, but now I'm enjoying it that much more. And I wish I would have had um, somebody like Frank Stoner guiding me in the direction of like, no, you should try a long frame with a rocker because it's, it, it's made me appreciate the side of skating that I enjoyed on wizards. And I'm able to take some of that feel to grinding. It's weird. Like I never thought I would enjoy grinding. Um, sorry, I'm rusty for this podcast, but I never thought I would enjoy grinding again like I did when I I I started doing those uh, one trick edits that's where it started actually so these things were sitting in my garage I was big wheeling mostly over the winter and then I set these frames up we always had a joke about grab Macchiota forward like um like mi- missing a Mizu or um like a like a step on back far up to forward. There's just those tricks that you do in rollerblading that's like they feel like a joke when you do them no matter what. They're just like uh they just feel silly. Like Mizu's can feel like a joke trick and it's hard to do them right or make them look good. Or like a step on back far is like a classic like if I was an overweight skater with freestyle frames that hasn't skated in a long time like a step on back far would be one of my go-to's um so grab Macuto forward was always like a joke trick that we would never do but we always joked about it um and there was a couple people who could do them right but even then it's still like a grab Macuto forward it's very rollerblading-y like what when someone like uh goes to poke fun at rollerblading they like jump on a ledge and grab their foot and then jump off that's what it feels like when you do grab mac uniform so i had this idea um i think i had tried the frame once at the park before making the grab mac uniform at it and it 
it felt really good. Um, but it was just like a short session. I think it was either really cold or I had to be somewhere. And then, so I had the idea, I think it was going to be with Todd originally, but he couldn't make it. So I'm like, I'm going to do a grab Macchiota forward edit. Like I was at work. I had the idea, like we should make an edit where it's just grab Macchiota forward. I think I tweeted it and then, uh, Todd couldn't make it, so I ended up doing it in, as a solo edit, which was a really funny idea. And in my head, it was a joke, obviously, to do an edit with all Grab Macula forwards. But then, in in my my boot, which was like, obviously, people have said it's very like stiff feeling, but my grinding has actually improved from a higher cuff, like a higher cut, stiff boot. Um, especially the way the forward flex holds your foot. Um, I'm able to hold grinds better. So I started doing my grab macula forwards and I was in a longer frame, which allowed me to kind of like, um, you can flick off your heels more. And this is in the very early stages, but like, um, I want an even longer frame to do this, but you can, you can jump straight off of them, but you can also flick off your heels kind of like a Ollie. And you can also flick off your toes like an Ollie. Um, you need to try, uh, rockered long frames to kind of like get this feel, but you can like almost from a carve or straight on, you can like flick off your heels. Anyway, I was like the jump to the, to the Macchio started to feel really good in these long frames. But then I started to realize like, I'm, it's actually like, you need to have integrity for this trip trick. And it was like, it was like half joking, but then I also had to perform the trick well. So, um, I did a lot of late grabs. Uh, it's, it's actually really hard. My fish brains are a little bit better with like, I grab them as I'm coming on, but for some reason, grab back you to forward, it got me. And then it started to become this game where it's like, oh, I actually have to perform the trick well. And then through that, I really started to enjoy grinding again and kind of like got this connection back to grinding as a very, very simple way to enjoy skating. Like, like the restraint of using just big wheels and trying to make a video with just big wheels and you don't have access to all of the tricks or the way you thought about skating prior to your in big wheels. What can I do on these things? And then suddenly this grab Macuta forward, this idea of making just a one trick at it. It was the exact opposite version of big wheels, but the same idea where it's like, um, an exercise in restraint or limitation opened up my mind. And it was actually quite, relaxing and therapeutic to be at the park and it's like to just focus on one trick that's all i did that day um i just did grab macchiato forwards i did no soul grinds or front sides or royales or anything i may have rolled around the park to get warmed up but i don't think i even did grabs or anything i was just like turn the camera on and started doing grab macchiato forwards and it just opened up this whole weird part of my brain something mixed with um, a stiffer boot and a long rockered frame. It, it was actually, it started to become really fun. 
my grand macula forwards were still not perfect. There's like two or three that were really good. Uh, anything where there was like a launch up to it, to a flat ledge, um, was pretty good. And the flat, yeah, anything where it was a launch up to it, uh, had the most integrity, but jumping from flat to the object or flat to down, I still have a lot of work to try and get that. For some reason, it's easier. Fish brain, you have to jump kind of over the rail or far side Macchio, I guess you would say. And I, that pre-grab, I'm a little bit better at getting, but like, um, but grab Macchio to forward, you know, it, I have a long way to go. But then that's where the idea for, it was so, it was so fun. And someone also said, do frontside next in the comments. So, um, Todd and I did, uh, I did frontside, Todd did Royale, and that was just as fun as the grab Matthew to forward edit. And, um, he wasn't even in the long frames yet, um, which he has tried now and now he knows, but, um, even then the front siding on the longer frames and the stiffer boot, I have, I just, I really started to enjoy, uh, grinding again. And it, and it was to the point where we were going to keep making the HTBU, how to be unpopular videos, but we started skating so good, not, not quote unquote good, but good for our age and ideas and everything that it made sense to like cut it off at a certain point and, and do like an exploration of grinding again and uh and small yeah smaller wheels aggressive frames aggressive boots longer frames and uh that's where the small wheels video idea came from because the original idea was just to make prove yourself three and keep making the how to be unpopular edits but um it was for me actually for me i don't know before todd but doing those like single grind edits really uh opened my mind up in the same way um, Big Wheels did. Like Big Wheels, Big Wheels was an exercise in restraint that just opened up. You know when it's like, um, when there's like a composer or something and, and they'll make a song or an album called like Exercises for Piano or uh, there's like those minimalist musicians or whatever that'll like name the song something really specific like uh uh, exercise for one violin and electric piano or something like that. That's what it felt like to do those, like grab Mackie to forward. It was a joke. And then it turned out to be, uh, something that inspired a whole other idea. And then the relation of just doing a single trick, the relation in, in big wheels of like just using big wheels to make a video. It was so funny how that thing flipped around. Um, I've learned a lot from just doing one grind. I highly recommend it. It's like, it's actually going to be hard to not make more of those edits, but I, I kind of want to hold off until, um, we finish small wheels. So sm small wheels, we're starting filming now and there'll be no other edits or anything until, well, the prove yourself three will come out in the summer and then small wheels will come out in kind of like closer to winter time. But it was like, I really wanted to do some other ones. Like I really wanted to do topsoil or, um, 
I've always had an idea for one called One Foot, where everything's just on one foot, so rolling and everything, and it and you can still go fakie or forwards, but just one foot, the name One Foot. Uh, yeah, Topsail I wanted to do. Um, I think 360 would have been a good one, but um, yeah, there's lots to save for the future, and uh, the How to Be Unpopular series is done, capped at 24 really solid ending but um there will be a new series probably i don't know next year we'll see see where it goes you never know like uh even big wheels was kind of an accident um big wheels too like these video ideas pop up at a very specific time where it feels like a really natural progression to okay it feels like we should start collecting all these ideas into a bigger thing so that's what Small Wheels is. That's what Big Wheels was, Big Wheels 2. I remember we came back from the Prove Yourself 2 trip and we weren't planning on making a video, but skating just felt really good at that point and, and where the ideas were and everything to just like, Todd did I think that like where he, he stamped his two legs to 540, like, like kind of a spread leg on two different meridians to pop to 540. It was that one trick in that one moment where it was like, mm, no, this isn't for an edit. This is definitely like, I would love to see this in like a section of you. It's weird how that stuff happens. But I, you know, I got to thank um, Grab Macchiota Forward to sparking the idea for Small Wheels and more importantly, uh, skating long rockered frames because it feels more legitimate and stable to me than on the small frames you won't know until you try and if you have a small foot you don't even need to worry about it but if you have a big foot and you try these longer frames and it doesn't even have to be because these these are just um samples for length they're not actually as far as i know they're still kind of like being developed um because every time i post them where the you why do the group do big the wheels need to be more spaced out? That's like look at the groove on that. Why didn't they space the wheels out more? It was just simply a test f to see what the right length was for a larger foot, for a ten and up foot. What is the correct length? And I I'm you know two ninety eight might be too long for some people. I'm sure, but two seventy feels a little bit short. 270 is like uh, follow and adapt. 270 feels really short once you try 298. That's just me though. That's just me. But now it's like, I'm thinking, I want to try for aggressive. I want to try 330. I want to try 400. So if anybody wants to make me those, I will skate the shit out of them for sure. I, oh, like just that. The idea of ollie and nollie um on skates i can kind of do them in in um you can see i like can kind of flick my toes now or like yeah from a carb you can flick the heels but um we need to we need to make the frames much longer to get into that territory which is a, a perfect transition into why i share so much uh ski stuff i don't know if it annoys people that I share a lot of ski stuff but um 
I really connected with skiing. I probably talked about this on another podcast, but I connected with skiing because of uh, how they use their equipment and also the development of their equipment up to this point. I watch these videos and it's not really locked into this is how skiing should be. There's really good groups of people like Phil Casabon and Henry Carlo and the bunch and line traveling circus where like these people are dropping the poles and skating super flexy rockered skis and they're just simply saying what what can we do on these things? That's it. Something that I think skating is coming back to like I said I really appreciate where skating's like, um, obviously if you're a hammer fan, there's not as much of that, but you have to think of the average age of people. But in terms of like creativity, there is a little bit more of like, okay, what can we do on these things with skating? Um, I've seen a lot of that. And actually like all of the VODs that I've watched, there's like a creative renaissance happening with skating, but, um, it's, that's why I. I see, obviously, skiing and skating are not the same thing. But I see a point between the two where we can take a little bit from skiing and skiing could take a little bit from skating, which they do, not that they would say. There was like a a skier, Alex, Alex Bolo Marchand, I don't know how to say his name, but he did a front farve. And it's so funny reading comments like, keep that rollerblading shit out of our sport. It's like... Dude, you're forward-facing, you're taking off the same way, you're landing the same way. All of your grabs and slides and everything look very close to what we do. But as soon as somebody does a front farve on skis, you're going to say, keep that rollerblading stuff out of our sport? That is fucking ridiculous. That is so stupid. But, um... Yeah, it's about people just using their equipment and going, what can we do on these things? And um, length could be correlated with steez. That um, rollerblading could be one of the least... It, it can be super steezy and performed very well, but you look at the bases of other action sport activities. BMX, mountain bikes, the, the wheelbase, giant, skateboards... A skateboard is like twice as long. They started on a on a sketchy little short base. But now their base is like twice as long. Scooters, long base. Skis, long base. Snowboards, long base. A lot of these things um, flex or have um, like a turning mechanism. It, it, it drives me nuts that skating is still kind of locked into like a 200 and it's crazy to think that someone sees a picture of a frame that's 300 millimeters and they're like too long it's too long like are you kidding me it like uh do you know how sketchy our sport is for somebody who doesn't know how to stand on rollerblades very well that you just even before you say that you have to try a long rockered frame it's maneuverable and it's stable and if the groove is right and it's like you'll be able to do everything that you can do on a traditional frame but you'll just be more stable like i don't understand 
how we're so close-minded. We're just locked into like the size nine frame length, UFS, like don't go, don't make a frame too long. Don't, uh, <laughs> like it's got a, I don't know. Don't make a frame too long. And, uh, the, the wheels thing, thankfully people are more open to it, but still I think 60 millimeters, the standard, um, but like someone could come up with the greatest idea that is like, uh, maybe outside of what a frame is, but we wouldn't be rollerbladers wouldn't be open to it, but skiers would be the whole thing is mixed up. Anyways, that's that middle point that I keep talking about that. I know, um, I still want the Holy grail. I want, um, like my long grinder frames feel really good. And, uh, I'm going to explore them for the next year or two, but my wizards feel amazing. And I love hundred millimeter. I want those two together. And I want to, I want, uh, I want to find just how long a frame can go. And, uh, I don't want it to feel too rigid and I want to be able to start exploring, uh, new ways of using skates that are maybe not rollerblading. -y. Maybe it's something new. Maybe if you make a frame so long that you start being able to do ollie and nollie off of it. I apologize for using those terms, but that's what skiers like. It's amazing watching a skier pop off of, like bend the tips of his skis and pop into a 270 backside um, to fake you the opposite way he came in. It just looks amazing. And it's, and it's like, it's not, it's not ridiculous to think about skating going in that direction why not add instead of just jumping straight up why not add extra positions and ways of getting in and out of grinds do you realize how many extra tricks we would have if we were open to just trying there's going to be failures too there's going to be failures but like ridiculous experiments of technology it doesn't have to be locked into um the frame base that we're in now you just if you try you just gotta try once you try wizards you'll understand and and the funny thing about wizards is like uh you do start to think about well what if this was on an aggressive frame like this exact same length and rocker but i could grind in it that's kind of where i'm at right now is that the restraint of big wheels was just kind of like a you learn extra things that you can apply to, uh, when you do go back to aggressives, it's like, I was obsessed with, um, big wheels because they rolled really well. Um, I was obsessed with the rocker because it was maneuverable. I love the intuition liner and the fit of the FR boot, but it was still like, it was high off the ground and I was in love with the maneuverability, but those were still like a sketchy length because they're made that was made for going through cones. It wasn't made, that was not made for launching and that was not made for grinding. And um, most rollerblades that we use, I hate to break it to you guys, but they come from an ice skate design. Rollerblades were created as a, as a off, off ice training tool to be used for, I mean, for hockey, yeah, they're great. Flat surfaces, just skating around, sure. But it's not like you look at the Red Bull crushed ice or whatever, 
and they can go super fast like skating in them but you do realize how sketchy those guys are on tricks they go full speed and stuff but like don't you want a longer base to land and take off on like like don't you want to be able to steeze out your your forward or fakie landing and land land a little bit more front seat or back seat like I don't know what the rules are for crush, crash dice or whatever, but like you can hit a jump very confidently in a longer base. I mean, it's not. Anyways, that rant's over. It's just uh, long rocker frames feel very, very good. And I think there's a lot there to explore. And the wheel size thing. Mm. I have no. Um, there's no answer for that yet. There's like, the more setups you can try while you're alive on planet Earth, the better. Um, you should try rocker short 80 millimeter frames. You, could, you should try um, rigid, charging, straight line, not rockered 100 millimeter frames on speed skates. You should try super small hard wheels. You should, on a, on a short, mm, not short. Just try and get one that fits your fits your foot size. Try um, different frame materials. Try grinding on metal. Um, try uh, different size wheels, rockered. Um, on try volo frames because they're cheap. Um, try and get a hold of old fifty fifty grain frames with the uh, the really shallow groove. Um, try different liners and different boots there's like there's no right setup but the more you can experiment with stuff and go back to that idea of of restraint or just trying something it'll spark an idea that makes you either uh use your preferred setup in a different way or or um find new preferences that you wouldn't have actually thought of before currently with the um with the Going back to aggressive, longer aggressive frames, I'm kind of obsessed right now with the idea of uh, wheel size and, and hardness. I want to try, um, I was in face wheels for so long that I'm like, okay, I haven't tried Eulogy, I haven't tried small hard wheels from Dirtbox, I haven't tried Undercover, um, those hydrogen wheels look interesting. I like those Dave Lang uh, God gods wheels at, um, 6185 they're so close to what i use for face wheels but they're the uh they're the undercover urethane i'm pretty sure is i want to i really want to try those um i'm just like kind of uh yeah over the filming of small wheels i'm excited to try a lot of different small wheels and uh if i can find a frame longer than 298 i'll definitely be in that but i don't think that's possible um but if you have one I'll try it. I'll skate it. Or if you want to make me one. Mm. Yeah. If you watch just one skiing video, you have to watch... Sorry. Maybe watch two. Because one gave birth to the other. Watch Idea by Nimbus uh, Independent Productions. It came out in, I think, 2007. And it was one of the first videos that came out where it was like some of the top guys in the sport and they dropped the poles, poles and they made a completely independent production from like those giant over the top 
ski porn movies with helicopters and like 30 logos plastered at the start and over the top production. They made this video, just I think it was three of them Andy Marr, Pet Fujas, and Eric Pollard. There may have been one other dude, but those were the three main dudes. And uh, yeah, they dropped the poles and just did whatever they wanted. And then that, the video is really good. It was all shot on film by Eric Iberg, who I'm pretty sure either used a rollerblade or is somehow connected to the rollerblading scene in Minnesota. I'm not sure the backstory on that. But he knows, um, I think he knows Shane Nelson. And Shane Nelson helped with some of his productions. Shane Nelson of Harvesting the Crust and Scribe fame. But the video idea gave birth to, or at least inspired, um, that crew called The Bunch. And they just released their the end of their trilogy called Finito. And if you get a chance, you have to watch that video. When I talk about um, people just using ski equipment and 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 being like, okay, what can we do on these things? That video is so inspiring. You you'll get so stoked to go skating. It doesn't it doesn't really matter so much about like you don't have to ski or um, take direct trick inspiration. Although there's a lot of shit that they can that they do that you'll be like, oh, I could see the skating version of that. But again, it's like our technology is just we're just a little bit too different to get there, but um, it's like watching a really good um, Pat Lennon or Joe Navron video, but with a twist of people who were inspired by a different, completely sport, and uh, it's really good. It's like a masterpiece. It's, it's definitely one of the best. Um, it's up there for me with like uh, Hoax 2 and usd tour video but obviously it's skiing but i put that that video and idea i put i'm not i'm not a skier i don't identify as a skier yet but those videos there's so much um that i get out of them when i watch them and i hope you do too but you don't have to watch them you don't you don't have to at all it's great the internet you don't have to click the link a lot of the times people do they want they want to feel annoyed because they watched it anyway. Where's my chapstick? Um, I can tell you why I'm not a skier yet. I'm, I'm in like my Grom stage. So I got all the gear and this was the second season. And let me tell you, I love, I love, just like I love uh, the videos in skating right now. There's so much good shit being made in skiing. I also, um, I have enjoyed when I have gone skiing. But skiing is not accessible. Um, I don't like driving to the hill. I don't like fucking paying for a lift ticket. I don't like waiting in lines. I don't like sitting on the chairlift. I don't like that there's specific hours that you have to go to the ski hill. I understand that I think where I'm really going to connect with it is if I find a spot where I make like, you know, build one of those little PVC pipes or a little jump or something. I like that. Um, I like the idea of if there were um, like public areas that were free, like skate parks that you could go to anytime. You don't have to pay for a ticket 
or wait in the line. I love um, that I put my skates in the car at like six in the morning and the sun's coming up and I drive to the park and nobody's there and there's no lift and there's the weather dependence of skiing. Like the conditions have to be right. Um, the lineups can't be too long. You, there's so many factors that make skiing not enjoyable for me, but I am, like I said, I'm a Grom right now and I'm trying to understand my relationship to it. We'll get there. We'll get there. But if I could do something closer to what I do when I go skate the park in the morning on skis, I would do it way more. I get like the, the, the whole culture around it and the, uh, yeah, weather dependence, lineups, lift tickets, cost, remembering all your shit, driving to the mountain. It's just, um, I might get into a rhythm of it eventually. But there were so many days this winter that even though the conditions weren't prime for skating, the skate park was still dry and it was free. And I just put my skates on and rolled around and got very close to the same thing that I would have been looking for anyway on skis. That said, the few times I did go to the hill, I'm getting a little bit more confident. I'm having more fun. Uh, I just don't like waiting. I don't like waiting to do the activity. <laughs> And yeah, the conditions thing is crazy. That the conditions can change. Like, imagine if you were skating the skate park and you were having a really good day, and then uh, part of like the skate park kind of like melted a little bit and just became really slow, <laughs> or that there was just like uh, like exposed. No, nah, that's the melted one is probably the best. Or or that after you tried your your line, you had to like wait in a line and then sit on a chair that took a while to get to the top and you also had to pay a ridiculous amount of money to go on the chair and to ride the skate park do you realize how like inaccessible skating would be if it had all of the limitations that skiing and snowboarding did on it i understand that like they're not the same in terms of like Skiing is nobody amazing because you're in nature and you're in the mountains and everything, but it's still like they're shooting themselves in the foot by not making like uh, the snow version of skate parks. Like I would be so into not paying and hiking a hill with like a few objects like that. To me, that sounds great because you could like get up first thing in the morning when everyone's sleeping and practice when nobody's there and you don't have to pay and you don't have to. And then like maybe I would be more open of going to the mountain like uh, and paying money if it's just like I think I think once yeah, I do that, uh, just go to a spot, find a spot. I got to find a spot where I build like a little secret ski park. Anyways, what else did I have about that? Oh, let me turn on the light. One second. I just also have rich and white <laughs> written down about skiing. Uh, well, just look at my notes, sorry. 
Yeah, skiing is really fun though when I convince myself to go. Um, but it's hard to give up. It's it's hard to not skate the skate park for free instead. But I understand as the years go on and I start going more, I'll get more of a relationship to it. Anyways, watching these ski videos and, and looking at um, old daily breads and box magazines and stuff, I realize how important it is for people to um, take take their influences of where they came from and, and translate it to skating. A lot of the biggest and best people, Julio came from breakdancing, Arlo came from ice skating and skateboarding, Edwards was a skier, Broskow came from, from hockey. And it's what these guys like took from those things and applied it to skating that that made them special and that made their style unique. Obviously there's more than that, but um, there was this Ido Portel he is a he is the movement expert that works with Conor McGregor. At the end of one of the podcasts, his advice was, "When you wipe your ass, don't look at it." <laughs> Anyways, that wasn't the quote. There's a quote from him that says, "There is nothing genuinely new, but there's new combinations to experiment with." And I love uh, that in skiing and skating right now. Skateboarding, I see it too with. Uh, like you watch those crazy creative sections from uh, Gumiagi, Richie Jackson. Uh, the recent Fancy Lad video was amazing. Um, there's like this great cross pollination of influences that we need to do. I'm not gonna say we need to do, but I personally want to do more of with skating. Is like I, I think there's a lot that I want to take um, from skiing. And it's not like directly tricks. It's just like that i that idea that I was talking about earlier. It's like how how they use they're they're simply they have boots and these giant flexible planks, way more flexy than they would have been in like the late nineties. Like the things that they're able to do on skis now weren't really you would have had to be really fucking good at flexing your skis. But they're just simply saying, okay, what can we do on these things? And I've seen a lot of that in skating. Um, even just the Neil Chen section in Citizens was, it was like I got to finally watch a Billy, a lost Billy Vo section mixed with VG4 Julio, but on mushrooms and done really fast. That was amazing. Like that. That's a. It's com. It's it's old combinations, but with a new twist. I love that. I love that about skating and right now. It's like infinite. It's a really good time for skating. It's really good. Um, oh, just a note about VODs. Um, I, I really like VODs, but um, I wish there was a singular uh, place that we could buy them from because uh, I, I lose them all the time then I forget what the file name is well, like I can't remember where I stored them then the file name is weird then I can't find it and sometimes I end up just watching things that I know can be searched on Vimeo or YouTube because I can't find my VOD so I, I would say that I watch my VOD sometimes less 
than things that are readily available for free online. And I guarantee that there is a huge percentage of skating that still just does not care about buying VODs, doesn't watch uh, VODs, and they're not going to unless it becomes free. And uh, I think that that could be a problem. It'll be interesting to see if VODs become more popular or or less popular. The the one good thing about VODs is it it has inspired people to reach for something a little bit more instead of just making like a like an edit for a company for a skate company or yeah trying to please sponsors because it's kind of like the wild west again where it's like well let's just make a project and and um instead of a instead of a skate shop physically having to stock it and fucking oh man i gotta thank todd and carly when we tried to like uh because i i i don't like business and i don't i don't want to ship anything um i might sell things on blade trade outpost once in a while even that like going to the post office and packaging things up and shipping it away like actually physically having to distribute a copy of a video it like that idea to me um is exhausting so i'm very happy that uh todd and carly do that or uh maybe just carly um but yeah, like with, like with better better than baseball and mushroom blading, when we try to distribute a DVD now with a VOD, it's it's in stock all the time. You don't have to send anything away, and it just goes to the person. I think that's beautiful, and it's also something to strive for. But I don't like that it's a file that might not download, or you can't stream it anytime. Um, I think accessibility and and uh, you know after you purchase the VOD. I wish there was a system or something in place to just like all of your VODs are in one spot. I know I'm bad with organizing, but like I love um, uh, Apple Music, uh, your shits on all your devices or Spotify or, you know, like you can just stream it anywhere, anytime. I, I would like that. I would like if just the idea of the collection of VODs was more readily available because I guarantee there's lots of people that just are going to watch the stuff that's free or readily available instead of watching the VOD. Another thing that I wanted to point out um, about state of the art, it's too bad that um, you put all that work into filming and editing that video. That's definitely one that I think should be on the iTunes store that I think would do a decent job of, of um, if somebody was to stumble across it and watch a rollerblading video on the iTunes store. I think that's a good one. It's too bad that we still uh, use music like with that. We, none of us have the budgets to get the rights to the music. I don't know if there's a workaround for that or how much it would have cost to get the rights to the songs or state of the art or if you have to use music that um that is less known or something but uh yeah that's the other thing about vod's that we're selling things it i guess vhs skate videos would have been the same in the early days of skate videos they got rights to the music for sure because that was the 90s and extreme shit was hip so it was like i always wonder what they would have paid like for the soundtrack of hoax 2 
or like Mad Beef, <laughs> Mad Beef and the Hoax and Hoax 2. They got some big artists for back then. And it was like just as uh, either some of those artists were breaking or um, either just before or as they were breaking. So I've always wondered what the music cost would have been then and what it would have been now because it is too bad that like state of the art um yeah it 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 feels like one of those slickly produced should be on iTunes video but in reality not even all of the rollerbladers that should see it are going to see it and uh not that all the music was for me um the Gautier song in particular, um, I had a really rough time with that song, but I, I didn't let it bother me too much. But if um, somebody, a casual watcher, was on iTunes and maybe uh, stumbled across that video, that that music, that soundtrack, maybe like really perfect uh, for somebody watching their first rollerblading video on iTunes. Anyways, that was that was that. Chad Johnson. Thank you, Chad Johnson. Um, oh, lastly, um, length of length of VODs and and videos. Uh, ain't nobody got time for hour long videos. You gotta kill your babies. If, if I'm going to sit down and watch something that's an hour long now, it better be like all killer, no filler. Like I'd 20 minutes, half an hour, I think 20 minutes, 25 minutes is starting to become kind of like my cutoff point for full length videos. It, it is just a fact of life that our attention span is less. Um, and I do still have powerful experiences watching full videos like finito is a long video but that is a very 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 well constructed video so um you better bring the heat if you're making a video that's like an hour long or else i'm going to be fast forwarding don't get too attached to your material i know i did better than baseball is way too long but that was a different time that was, uh, that was like 2006, that was 10 years ago. Our attention span, you know, maybe shave 10 minutes off that thing back then, it would have been better. Gotta do a commentary for that. Anyways, um, that's it. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you all soon. Arlo said he was going to do the podcast. I swear he's trolling at this point. He's just, he's just like a loves the idea of everybody getting excited about it and then just knows that he's not going to do it. Namaste.